Media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Just a couple of things to make a note of. Uh, Caxton has exercised its preemptive rights to buy out the magazine publisher Ramsey after Times Media Group made an offer. Uh, so that's one bit of news. The other one, of course, ACA, which effectively governs uh, communication and advertising in the country. Well, they've picked up further from the discussion that we've had about Metropolitan Republic and the Luris. They've now suspended uh, Metropolitan Republic's membership of uh, the ACA. Uh, of course, Metropolitan has the right to appeal. Not too sure whether they're going to use that as a result of that. Again, people on their various bodies that belong to Metropolitan uh, would have to stand down. So that story is certainly very, very tight in terms of major sh- sanctions that has uh, taken place. Right. Let's then uh, have the eye on the agency, Marcus Brewster. Uh, with me is the man who the agency is named after, Marcus Brewster, Chief Executive Officer of the agency. Uh, hi, Marcus. Good chatting to you. Yes, greetings. How are you doing? Ashraf? Okay, so do I say Marcus Brewster PR or in fact, you? we, we changed that a year ago. We I think did I change that a year ago. We, we, originally, we were called Marcus Brewster Publicity and mm. we dropped the word publicity off, off the moniker simply because um, the industry had moved on and we had moved on and we had expanded our service offering quite considerably. So being out there as a publicity agency was um, quite misleading. Um, but so we just dropped the publicity off and became Marcus Brewster to signal a larger, broader, more um, comprehensive suite of services. Okay, so so what in fact does Marcus Brewster do? Well, Marcus Brewster is now in the arena of managed communication services. That's quite a, quite a mouthful. Um, it is PR, but what I would like to call it is PR on steroids. So so what we do is we look after a suite of different services, a bouquet offering of communication um, modalities, some of which which we obviously generate internally, that might be publicity and media relations. Obviously, that's where our footprint's in, so we're very well established in that sphere. But there are other areas where clients need assistance, and rather than have them go and try and source half a dozen other different little niche agencies or niche suppliers, we take responsibility for managing that whole chain of service providers. So it might be something like search engine optimization. It might be website design. It might be video production. We're not necessarily doing those things internally, but if they will fit into an overall comm strategy for a client, we will manage that process of sourcing the correct partners and then work with them to ensure a seamless delivery across the implementation. And and, and you did that, why? Because possibly losing business if, if you didn't do that? No, no, not at all. I think it's really just a change in the way the, the marketplace is moving, and that is that there are now so many different sub-specializations that it's quite overwhelming for a certain tier of client, and I'm not talking about the mega clients like Celsius, your previous guests, who obviously will go straight away to one of the top five agencies, and those big agencies will m- most often have a lot of those service providers in-house anyway. But, you know, as you move further down the pyramid. Um, there are a lot of smaller clients who c- do not have the time or the resources or the knowledge of who's who in the industry and or what can be done and or what's required. And those are the clients in that pool that we find ourselves being very productive in helping them to stitch together a whole lot of different threads so that the entire tapestry is there in all its colors. Let's then go back uh, in terms of, of who Marcus Brewster really is, because I think uh, th- th- there's a flood of agencies, many people involved in communications now, maybe more so than before, but, but uh, Marcus Brewster certainly has, has endured. So let's go back to where it all started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Started in 1991, Ashraf, um, in Cape Town. So that was where the the business headquartered itself. Um, So that's more than two decades ago. 
Obviously, there have been significant changes, both technological, societal, in terms of marketing in, in the last 20 plus years. Um, we opened our Johannesburg office about 10, 12 years after, after that, so in the early 2000s. Um, and that obviously was very successful for us and really grew the business dramatically. But what I have learned in being a business owner is that you have to constantly reinvent. You have to constantly innovate. Otherwise, you just risk being swamped by the next wave of whatever the, you know, the future will bring. So that's why we weren't losing business a year ago, but we decided mm-hmm. we needed to be ahead of the wave. We needed to be in the space where when the wave came, we were the best equipped guys with the best surfboard to catch that wave. And surf it to shore. Okay, what, what, why then are are you so effective? What does Marcus Brewster do uh, beyond not, not so much the definition, but but do to keep you well at the crest of that wave? Well, I mean, it's interesting because this whole issue about reputation, we did some research a little bit earlier this year where we were asking clients, why is it that you choose to work with Marcus Brewster? What was the deciding factor? Is it creativity? Is it staff? Is it customer service? What What is it? And the thing that came up, number one, was reputation. So clients are very drawn to work with us because we have a reputation for excellence. And that, I think, is obviously something that's just built up over time. And it's also built up over the quality of work. Um, and you know they say in Hollywood, you're only as good as your last box mm, office. Mm, well, in a sense, we're always only as good as our last campaign. And this has been a particularly exciting week for the agency because we've just done the Magnum Pink and Black launch with colleagues at the Hardy Boys in Durban for, for their client Unilever. So it's been an extraordinary week and everybody's very gung-ho and very happy about it. Um, and so we're absolutely thrilled. And, and it's that kind of stuff which itself becomes a magnet for potential staff to come and work with the agency because they see these incredible campaigns working with really amazing brands um, in a very creative environment. Um, and that's very attractive. And as any agency owner or business owner will know, it is all about having the right staff. So, you know, my reputation or the reputation of the agency built up over 20 years is really also a tribute to the staff that we've had who've put their input into the business and have come up with incredible concepts and then been able to implement them as well. And, and if there's one thing that, that you do now that still remains core to your business, that, that is what? Um, I think just a very intimate understanding of media. Uh, You know, our legacy footprint, we were originally a publicity agency, so we've never lost that DNA. Mm -hmm. So we can look at any aspect of a client's business or a launch or product, whatever it is, and understand intuitively, will it play to media? Where will it play? How much play will it get? Who is the journalist or the beat reporter we've got to talk to? What is the section of the newspaper or of the program on the radio or on television where it will get the most airtime or, or ink? And it's that understanding which is just imbued from constant immersion of you know, two decades of constantly mm-hmm. reading, listening. All right. So, so, so let, me, let me give you something anecdotally. I mean, obviously, yes. in the business that I'm involved in, I get a flood of emails every single day from, you know, calling PR people, publicists about, you know, possibly speaking to someone. And my job really is to, is, to, is to actually try and knock it out, to say no, and then be convinced that I should. Okay. What I find fascinating is I probably get far less from, 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 from Marcus Brewster than anybody else. But, but the point I'm making is because I have a sense that you understand exactly what we want. You don't send out mass mail because you know it's not good enough for that client. And when you do, we, almost, we, we, don't even, we hardly knock out. I have a quick look because I think there's a reason why you've actually understood exactly what we want to deliver. And you've chosen for us rather than the other way around. 
Well, well, thank you, Ashraf. That that certainly would speak to how we do approach our relationships with media, which is really targeting, as I mentioned earlier, intuitively understanding what it is that they want. What is the content that's going to play well on their program or in their publication? packaging it, delivering it, pitching it in a certain way that makes it appealing, that they can see that we know their particular medium, that we in fact um, consume their media as much as, as they produce it, and therefore when we present an idea, present a pitch to them, it is with that idea in mind. It is perfect for your show or for your publication because X, Y, and Z. Um, so, so thank you. Yes, it's, it's really a, definitely a quality game for us. So it brings me on to another thing, which is, again, the, the issue of measurement. And we, we get articles mm. about this all the time. Yes. So, so how then do you measure, you know, between you and your, and your client that you serve, how do you measure the success of a particular campaign when, let's say, they want publicity? Um, well, of course, many clients do want publicity, but it's not always this, the sum total of, of the entire game, of the communications game. It's obviously linked into you know, various other things. So a campaign may be supported by some above the line. There may be some activations. There may be all kinds of different things happening at the same time. But the question of measurement, and we're very clear when we discuss with potential clients up front, is what does success look like to you? you know, what are you wanting to measure us on? We don't want to get to the end of six months a year and think we've shot the lights out. Mm-hmm. And they turn around and say, yes, but. So we have to be very clear about what it is that they're hoping to achieve from PR or from communications so that we can align the specific outputs that we deliver so that they move the needle in the direction that client wants to. So it's not particularly acceptable anymore in the field of publicity and PR to only count the number of clippings or even worse to count your AVE or advertising value equivalent. Mm. So, so those kind of measures are kind of frowned on now. Um, we were often much more often talking to clients about what is the commercial objective that we're okay, but, but then, but then, how then do you measure that? You see, the the the, the advantage of, of clippings and mentions and AVs are because you can actually count them. How, how do you count then what you do? Well, what that is, that's an outputs measure. And what we're most often talking to clients about is an outcomes measure. So just to give you a, an example, because it's ripped from the pages of this week, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier the Magnum Pink and Black launch that mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. What happened there was at this launch, the social media activity that was happening during that afternoon of the launch actually made Magnum Pink and Black um, trend. So we kind of, you know, all of a sudden, and wouldn't that be amazing for any client launching a product, that as you, that launch is happening, your particular brand is trending in South Africa. So that's a huge measure. Um, It's not a publicity measure. There wasn't a press clipping. It wasn't a measure of, well, how many media people came to your launch? Mm, It's mm. what was the outcome of it? Well, the outcome was that Magnum Pink and Black trended. And that's an extraordinarily, extraordinary result. And not just during the launch, but for several hours thereafter as well. So that's an incredible boost. That's the kind of thing that PR can be very, very successful at doing. It's a combination of great idea, Great um, guest lists, um, the right people, the right bloggers, the right celebrities, all those factors have to be in place. But they have to be managed and communicated. Let's then talk about client list. I mean, g- yes. give, me, give me an idea who they are. Um, our client list has actually evolved quite dramatically, as I think a number of PR agencies that develop over the years do. I started very much in the consumer lifestyle space. My background had been in the music industry, so I understood the the entertainment and and lifestyle media very well. So at that stage, it was really just, you know, small scale, uh, you know, recording artists or 
hotels, restaurants, that sort of thing. Um, over the years, as we've developed, and certainly as we've become a much bigger agency and a much more serious agency, we've developed quite a substantial um, corporate client base. So, in fact, the bulk of the work we do these days is business to business. Um, so these are not necessarily consumer-facing brands. Um, I mean, for instance, we, we work with Ubank. Um, we work with um, kind of clients in the uh, computer space. We work with SAP. Um, so there are a number of different um, areas in which we are involved that are not necessarily the sexy brands that, you know, 20 years ago I would have been, you know, desperate to, to work on those brands. But we do very solid work for these brands and we deliver very, you know, very measurable results for them. Um, and it's a different area of communication in many instances. A certain amount of it is reputation management. We're always on standby for, for crisis communication work. Um, so that's a very different space to be in than taking journalists out you know, to lunch. And well, well, well give, me, give me your take on that, on, on crisis communication. It seems to be a, a very important issue right now. Well, yes, I mean, I think the importance of crisis comms really came to the fore about five years ago when there was the kind of global economic meltdown, where all of a sudden companies, and specifically in the financial services sector, companies that were considered to be as safe as banks, you know, banks that were considered to be as safe as banks were no longer safe. And so the whole, um, the whole arena of trust became massively eroded. What were the brands that consumers could trust? Was there any brand that you could believe in anymore if a giant like Goldman Sachs or whatever, you know, went belly up? So so that became, you know, the new instigator for, for the role of crisis comms where all of a sudden it was terribly important to shore up reputation management um, because people no longer were, were trusting brands. And that, that tr- trickle or ripple effect obviously came down to South Africa um, a couple of years later. We only saw it come down about two years down the line after it had hit America. But we've picked up a lot of corporate clients and a lot of the work, a lot of the project work we do is the phone rings and somebody says we've got a problem. Somebody is you know, complaining about us in the media. We need help or this thing is about to go viral. We need help. Can you control it? Um, and so that's a lot of the project work that we get called upon to do. And uh, I mean, that's an interesting one. Do, do you, in fact, pitch for business or, or is it very much a case of clients calling you because… Oh, no, no, we're very much on, on tender lists and whatever. Mm. So we're, we're constantly being invited to pitch for various pieces of business. Um, it's a very, very slow process. And I must say in the 20 years I've been around, I don't ever recall this RFP process being so arduously drawn out. Deadlines are missed repeatedly by clients who promise they'll you know, revert by such and such a stage. Sometimes these things go on for 18 months and then the, you know, the tender is withdrawn or whatever. It's just become extraordinary to see how muddled and confused the procurement process has become. Um, maybe it's just because we're in a league now where we're eligible to, to be considered for very much larger tenders. I don't know what it is, but I don't recall ever having gone through this kind of rigmarole before <laughs> in the past. I, I get, I get your, your frustration. Just, just lastly then, yes. what, what for you among, amongst the biggest trends in, in broader communications can, can we expect? And certainly can we expect Marcus Brewster to, to sort of playing in that space well yes one of the things that we think is i don't think we're being particularly nostradamish here and talking about it is the um, is the predicted uptake in visual communication as in video clips mm, um, mm. and so much now so much search is going to change to kind of youtube so i think the idea around content now i mean the idea of the standard press release it will always have a role but the importance of producing video content visual content having 
having something that people can download and watch is something that all brands and all companies really have to start thinking about very seriously now because that's for us is very much where where the future is it's, it's amazing just yesterday i had a chat with my with my wife and one of the kids and, and that's all they said they've been spending all the time uh, where people are you know whether they're smsing or mmsing or bbming or whatsapping it's all about video clips so you're actually on the ball there absolutely marcus just, just last thing yes so, so how many people when they meet up with you say like are you that first judge from the idols or is that a forgotten thing <laughs> no it's not well People recognize me, but they can't remember where they know me from. <laughs> so it's like they think, oh, was I at a wedding with this guy last month sitting at the same table? Or were we at school together? He was in a different year to me or something like that. But um, funnily enough, the, the instant bolt of recognition, if I open my mouth to speak, people remember my voice very strongly. So uh, so that seems then, – then the connection, then the penny Of happens. course. Well, you wouldn't be wrong if you said, I mean, the business is Marcus Brewster. I'm an idol maker because effectively, to a large degree, that's what you do anyway. Marcus, thanks for your time. Most appreciated. Good chatting to you indeed. Thank you, Ashraf. Thanks so much. Marcus Brewster from the agency Marcus Brewster. And uh, 